Hey listeners, it's Kent stopping in here up top before this episode starts. Uh, the next episode or two are kind of dark in the Red Death, and we wanted to pop in and put a content warning at the beginning of this episode. There's some subject matter that deals with the loss of a child. So um, if that is triggering for you, please uh, feel free to skip this episode and move on to the next one once it's available. The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers foiled its mysterious plans twice, bringing Jack the Ripper to justice and stopping it from unleashing panic from an ancient tomb. But now our four heroes have evil's full attention. Can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. Does, does Sawyer have just the one gun? Sawyer has more than one gun. I think James. James is going to walk over Sawyer kind of, I think a little bit out of earshot because he's kind of ashamed about this, but he's, he's going to walk over. He says, I'm no good in this place. And he's kind of holding his hands out. And he says, and I think, I, I mean, if there's the only way to help you all is if, I, 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 I mean, if I, use one of your weapons so you, you catch Sawyer off guard because while this has been going on he's been off to the side hearing what this is but he's processing this very very differently and you probably see a look on his face that you have not seen before um, he's v- physically like visibly angry um, uh, like almost near fuming uh, he takes his hat off and he like wipes his face. You ask for a gun. Um, he is think his head is somewhere else completely. But he, without even thinking, just reaches into the holster, grabbing one of his other pistols, and and just hands it to you. He doesn't say anything. Doesn't say how it works, which obviously he's not very good at teaching people that. But that's he, he just hands it to you and doesn't even acknowledge anything that you said. Um, his eyes are kind of shifting from one place to another. Um, yeah, just, this is not normal at all to what you've known him to be like. So James, do you know the feeling when you try to push two magnets together that are, that have the same Yeah. and they'll get this close, but the closer you get to it, the harder it pushes away. Yeah. That's your hand trying to grab the gun. Damn it. (laughs) And as you, as you reach, as you push, you hear Monty's voice inside your head. And he says something that you remember from a dream, which is your physical strength is not your greatest strength. Okay. So I think after the hold out there, the hand trying to wrap around the gun and nod, and that comes into his head, I think James takes a deep breath puts his hand down 
and just under his breath uh, he just says I hope you're right and then kind of turns and walks back towards I guess the giant ass teddy bear that he is hoping is on our team and can you know do a lot of the heavy lifting here as the as you walk back this skittering gets louder and on the edge of the mists all around you you see these tiny forms still shrouded in in mist and still shadowy but very low to the ground crawling towards you i think james will call that out uh yell out to everyone i don't know we've we've got something beatrice looks up and says no 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 and theodore picks her up holds her up as high as he can um and you see theodore sort of looking frantically around for an exit but you're completely surrounded to step out into the meta for a second this is about to get real dark so if anybody needs me to stop just stop okay or just just tell me to stop um, it, as you sort of all huddle together towards the center, you see what look like newborn infants crawling towards you, covered in this mist with these hideous looks on their faces, crawling towards you, and their nails are scraping against something that's on the floor. Beatrice says, Theodore and I have been running for them since we got here, but we're surrounded now. Sister, what do we do? So I imagine we are like completely, completely like encircled. Yeah, there's at least 50 and there seem to be more coming behind them. They're about 20 feet away from you. You have about a 20 foot radius in the circle. So as an experiment, what I would like to do, because before what happened was I thought about Beatrice and we found Beatrice. I would like to look upwards, looking for something like a ladder or a stairwell or just some some way up. Since we're surrounded, we can't go, you know, horizontally, but maybe somehow we can go vertically away. So you hear, as you look up, you hear a cold, icy chuckle and a voice that you've heard once before in the basement of a police station say, there's no ladder, skeptic. You found your sister because I wanted you to find her. And what is your next move? To take you? to kill her, to kill the stonemason, and be done with it. Are we going to have to send something other than a bunch of crawling babies after us then? Well, we'll see. So now they're about 15 feet away. Did we all hear that voice? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yes, you all heard that voice. I have an idea. I don't know that it would work. I have an idea, but I don't know how 
James would have an idea, and then I don't think there's a basis okay. for it to try to build a wall around us. I, I have a quick question, though. Um, okay. yeah. I still have Detect Evil up, because Ignacia is a not smart sometimes, and she left it up. How mm-hmm. is she feeling? The The oasis of goodness that you had is being pushed in on hard by these things, and as they crawl in that pocket gets smaller and smaller and smaller um i think seeing that it's get, she she's feeling it and she's starting to feel more sick she's gonna drop it completely just because she needs to keep her own wits about mm-hmm. her um and then she's gonna turn away from the bear and just look out toward the sea of things can we take an action right now or are we just doing yeah. Cinemax stuff. Okay. Um, let me pull that thing up again. They're moving at about five feet per round, so they're about uh, they're about ten feet away from me now. Okay. I'm going to put, and it's just going to be something. You see Ignacia starting to mutter some words underneath her, and like her, she's she's just focusing and trying to. F- do something. I'm going to do Guardians of um, Faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to summon a, a large spectral guardian. And I'm going to like put it out like probably like, 10, 20 feet in front of us. Oh, you said, okay. they're, you said they're 15 feet away, right? They're 10 feet away now. Okay, yeah. Right there at the... Right right, right, right in front of us. Like, right. Um, so this... What does this guardian look like, though? That's a great question. That was going to be exactly what I was going to ask you. I think it's going to be the wolf that she sees in her dreams. Okay. So it's this big black wolf, right? Am I missing any other features for it? Nope, that's it. Yeah, it's a big black spectral wolf just just appears in front of us. Um, so any creature hostile to you that moves to a space within 10 feet of the Guardian for the first time on a turn must succeed a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Um, they all fail. They take 20 radiant damage. They're obliterated so in a wave they're sort of wiped out but you see uh, about 20 feet behind them there's an another circle moving its way in um and the wolf vanishes um the wolf um because the wolf stays uh it doesn't vanish until it deals 60 points of damage correct okay Uh, so it did do all that yeah i mean it it obliterates the the ones around around it it just wipes out the whole circle. Um, it's a little bit different than how the spell works. But, okay, that's fine. Uh, the hell with magical physics in, a, in somebody's mind. You know. Um, as you do that, Beatrice screams. And she says, no, no, please, please, please. It's not their fault. Please, please, you can't hurt them. You can't hurt them. Then how do we fix it? Everybody roll initiative. It sounds like we die. Uh, Sawyer was going to do one thing real quick. It's just it's just words, really, uh, in his mind. Yeah, go for it. And feel free to veto and can then uh, also Kent edit out this if it's nothing. Um, Sawyer, I'm going to go by Finn, by the way, from now on. Uh, Finn is furious. He, he's just, this is the most angry you've ever seen him. Um, and he, in his mind, looks down at the ring. Well, I'm sorry, with his eyes, looks down at the ring. But in his mind, he yells to the ring 
you get you get my friends out of this. So he's basically trying to communicate with the entity inside of this ring using that hit die. Okay. Um, you feel nothing in response. Uh, you don't spend the hit die. You try to communicate with this ring, but there's there's simply nothing right. there. It's it's okay. like if I were to yell at my wedding ring. I got a seven. So. Uh, on a meta level, and Kent, you can edit this out oh, no, if no. you want. Tim, sorry to say no to something you want to do, which is really, really cool, but it would like it would break one of the very few things that I need to sort of keep in place for that. Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm I'm as a player also since we're in meta talk. I'm I'm processing a lot of stuff right now, yeah. and so I, I this is a different place I thought Sawyer was going to be going. Uh, so so I, I threw that out as a thing yeah. he might do but as of right now he doesn't he, he wants to shoot every single one of these things <laughs> that's all he wants to do cool all right so james has a seven yep people have at a 20 altogether 18 five all right agnes you're up first so this is continuing from the previous skill challenge so anything you've used before you should consider spent um do I have a sense, or rather, does Agnes have a sense of, like, what else she might be capable of here that's similar to the telepathy? Uh, you could use a skill to figure that out. Okay, let's do that. I'm going to, okay, so I've used persuasion and psychology. I'm going to use arcana? Perfect. Or, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's 19 altogether. Okay, that succeeds. So here you feel that you're capable of communicating with your friends telepathically. You haven't tried it with Beatrice, but you think it might work. Um, You feel that your spells might be more effective here and you but you aren't sure if that's because of something special about this realm or if it's because of how highly Beatrice thinks of you. If there's some sort of blending of who you are to yourself and who you are to her here, um, you aren't sure, but you do feel magically more powerful, which I guess you would understand as you just have that weird feeling of power you have sometimes when you do stuff based on understanding the laws of physics and nature better than anyone around you. Got it. All right. Finn, you're up. So, um, was it, was it uh, established like anything verbally not to, not to inflict any harm on them aside from what Beatrice said? She begged you not to, um, and she was clearly devastatedly upset when um, the the guardian obliterated them. And if if they were to like swarm, like let's say they were to swarm, is it the type of thing that you could sort of like keep them off, or is it too many that you just feel like you'd be overwhelmed? There were about fifty of them, so probably so many that you would be overwhelmed. I think Sawyer's going to leave the group. Uh, the circle that we're in move to a side and try to keep as many away from them without harming them. Okay. 
So I think it'd be more of a, uh, I don't want to say like maybe athletics or, or um, something like a reflexes or something like that, you know? Yeah, athletics would work. Okay. And again, this is not to try to harm everything. It's to whatever whatever of the fifty are going to be focused on him. Mm-hmm. He's taking away from the group. Sure. Um, I rolled a fifteen on the die. I have a oh because my strength is lowered. I have a minus one, so fourteen. Um, you're still successful. So you. So tell me what you do. Describe what you do. It it is successful. I think as he's walking towards them, he, he holstered his pistol. He mm-hmm. he pulls his jacket off. And he's sort of using it as a buffer, like like if a if a a dog was trying to like you know slobber on you and you try to keep it at bay without hurting it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't use the same analogy for babies because I can't imagine a baby trying to like come at you. But but, but in this case, he's just sort of non-lethally trying to keep them away. Okay. But but also most importantly, away from the group. So as you go out to to where they are, which is about thirty feet away, the it's almost as though they don't acknowledge you at all until you actually physically interact with them, at which point they have this look of complete confusion that they're being touched or interact with interacted with. It's as though like somebody like your microphone just moved as though a hand touched it. Hmm. Uh, that's, they react that way, total confusion, but, um, still sort of single-minded attention trying to get there, but you certainly disrupt all the ones you can grab, which is about five or six of them. Okay. And that's a success. Uh, James, you're up. Um, so, I mean, James had a similar idea of running kind of just to disperse them, like like separate them, cause them to go different ways at least, uh, so it's not one mm-hmm. focused group. So it's kind of pretty much taking the same tactic as Sawyer, really. Mm-hmm. The athletics. Because I got nature and performance okay. left. Um, yep. I'm not sure. Love on those babies with my... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is 20... Synth- synthetic 20. Mm, okay. So that is also successful. The You watch him do this and what's different when you run out is they immediately pay attention to you as you approach them. Um, And you sort of move them away and they snap at you. They're trying to bite you. They're trying to claw you, but you're just able to to push them out of the way. And you're almost like juggling babies on the floor. Um, These five or six of them that are near you, you're sort of pushing, pushing them away from you. They're sliding across the floor. You're not harming them, but now they're focused on you. They're looking to snap and claw at you. Well, these babies have, like, do they have, like, clawed fingers and gnashy teeth? or? Yeah, they're sort of like a monstrous inversion of, a, of an adorable I mean, baby. They look like this sort of... My first thought was just to lay down and see what happens. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, because with the bear, giving up <laughs> worked. So I'm glad I didn't take that route. Uh, as your friendly neighborhood GM, uh, I'm going to advise you not to take that tack with the uh, demonic representations of uh, her very worst fears. Noted. All right, uh, Ignacia, you're up. I, I think I might do a check as well. Okay. 
I don't know if this is arcana or perception, but knowing my nature and how I'm a healer, like, is there a way I can cure these, this, these children, these ba these okay. babies? Yeah. All right, that would be arcana, I think. Okay. Um, seventeen. Okay, that works. So, as we all, but especially Agnes knows, sometimes a very powerful thing in science is testing a hypothesis and knowing what won't work. You know, based on what you felt from just the radiating evil from these things, that you can't heal them. It would take something incredibly, incredibly powerfully good to, to help them. The guardian of faith is supposed to be this embodiment of, of goodness and power, and that only was able to, to deal with them by annihilating them. Um, so you know that any of your efforts wouldn't be successful. Uh, you understand that as embodiments of Beatrice's very worst fears, these are going to be aggressive, that they're different from Theodore, who's an embodiment of everything she loves and everything that makes her feel safe. These are, these are an embodiment of her worst fear, a thing that will tear her to shreds physically in this realm as a representation of her mentally, if they get their, their claws on her. So basically, babies, Beatrice knows babies are evil. Yes. All right, uh, in that case, Agnes, you are up. I was gonna do one quick reaction oh. thing. Yeah, go for it. Um, if, I, if I can, just look up, look at the Beatrice and be like, we can defeat this. We, we are strong for you. you. We have your back. And, and that's it, just trying to be reassuring and whatnot. Okay. She looks out in terror at this sort of horde of advancing demon newborns mm -hmm. and then looks at you and it's her appearance, her look softens, but she's not, she's not convinced. You can tell she's not convinced yet. That's fine, yeah. My, my main idea is very, a very silly one. So I'm trying to think, I'm a little bit stumped because like spell-wise what I have going on is I have polymorph. So my first idea was, do I turn into... <laughs> Morgan, why are you laughing and now I'm scared what you think I'm gonna do, but... I, I thought you were gonna like turn all the babies into like one immobilous blob or I think I can only turn one, uh, one thing into like another thing. And so I was gonna try to turn myself into some kind of large steed that but i don't think any not everyone is going to fit on on like a back of a whatever i can turn into at this point uh so and you turn half of yourself into a steed <laughs> oh my god all the centaur talk has now uh, led to this moment that joke is fucking staying in <laughs> So I will say this about a skill challenge. Um, technically, spells don't aren't part of it. Okay. So it's a, a proficiency. All right. If you have like a really really great thing, um, then then maybe. But yeah, that's you're still surrounded. I'm running out of 
skills that I haven't used that are going to be useful, because... But... Have I used perception yet? I don't think I have. I have a weird note here. That I honestly don't know. Okay. Um... But go ahead, use it. Okay, I don't think I have. So okay. what I'm looking for right now is for like very like minute details on the babies themselves that are going to try to we're going to indicate something about why Beatrice is so like if there's something more specific than like fear of being a mother fear of like mm -hmm. child rearing going wrong like if there is something more narrow something I can narrow down something a little bit more specific that I can discern from looking at them okay It's a 17 altogether. Okay. So as you look at them, you see that they're a mixture of boys and girls, evenly split, but that all of the girls look the same and all of the boys look the same. That, and all newborns look somewhat similar, so you can't really tell much beyond that, but they have, all the boys have exactly the same features and all of the girls have exactly the same features. Interesting. And it's, is there anything I recognize? I mean, do I recognize those features or? Not with a 17. Okay. All right, Finn, you're up. Uh, I was also going to use perception. Okay. But in a different kind of way. Um, I'm trying to confirm in character what out of character I am suspecting here um, I want to see how they're reacting to me and Ignacia as opposed to the other two okay oh, and I got a 15 plus 4 so 19 okay you realize that Ignacia hasn't interacted with them directly at all so you're not able to tell. She's still in the middle of the circle. Mm. But for you, you are just not there. You, when you saw James sort of out of the corner of his eye run not too far away from you to move them around, to push them away, you noticed that they clearly went after him. But for them, it's as though you're coming out of nowhere and this invisible force is just moving them around, shoving them around and there's confusion there. Whatever is powering them doesn't see you, doesn't sense you, doesn't know you're there. And with that, you're able to to manage them. So I, I think uh, with that, then I would, as quickly as I could, wade, wade my way through them over to, to sort of near enough to Ignacia to make eye contact and just say, um, it doesn't know we're here in that knowing kind of arrow to a circle member. <laughs> sort of gesturing down at my feet where like they're not attacking me. <laughs> right. Um, if I have a chance to like respond, do I? Yeah. Okay. Ignazi's gonna look at Fen and nod and um, look at Beatrice. That's it. So you've succeeded at the skill challenge. Um, and so 
with this newfound knowledge, the two of you are able to sort of sprint and confuse the babies enough that they're put off and held at bay. And eventually, as they stop encroaching on her, you see Beatrice soften and she suddenly realizes that they're not going to be able to get to her with you here. Um, And she climbs down from Theodore and looks carefully at them and puts a hand on his back and he walks over to one of them and scoops it up in his paw and it calms down. Its features become softer, more like a a real newborn's than this demonic inversion of it. And she says, I thought that might work. Theodore, why don't you stay here with him and keep an eye on them? It's not their fault. They're just afraid. I know how that feels and I know that you're good at making children feel safe. So why don't you stay here and take care of them? And as she says that, the one in her arm, uh, the one in Theodore's arms relaxes and the other ones, instead of flocking towards the center of the circle, start moving towards him. And he sits down and all of these small children are now crawling into his lap and he's holding them and playing with them and moving them around. And it's now he's just this giant 15 foot bear surrounded by these tiny brand new infants that are swarming him and cuddling him and pressing into him. Theodore's the goodest boy. (laughs) He's the best boy. He's the best boy. I'm not crying. You are. (laughs) Well, James comes trotting back over from just doing laps and running around dodging demonic babies to rejoin the group and sees that their, you know, bear fighter is on baby duty and is a little less confident about whatever is going to attack us next because he was hoping that bear would beat the shit out of things. I think Ignacy's actually going to go seeing what's happening, just go further behind and just, if there's some like other babies that aren't getting there or a little distracted, she's just going to since they, she, she can't be seen, she's just going to pick them up and just like put them down on top of Theodore. Yeah, it's after that, it's the wave stops. So it's only those 50 that are now sort of crawling over him like ants over honey. Finn puts on his jacket and straightens his hat and trying not to make eye contact with any of you uh, addresses Agnes and just says, we need to get out of here as quickly as possible. I completely agree. Where to next? Um, when we look around, is it still kind of just the same scenery of red mist? Mm-hmm. Where's Beatrice in this point? She's watching Theodore playing with these children, and she's smiling, but tears are just streaming down her face. I think Ignacia is going to look over to her once she's wrangled the children towards Theodore and see this and then just start making her way over 
to her and just put a gentle arm on her shoulder, a gentle hand on her shoulder. She sort of tenses up as you touch her, but then she relaxes and almost rolls into you and starts crying. Ignacy's just going to hold her. And muffled from her being sort of pressed against your neck, she says, I never thought that I would see them again. But they're happy now, right? They are. That's my brother and my sister. And I think Ignacio's just going to hug her just a little tighter with that. Are these all your brothers and sisters? Are She says, they are. They, they would have been. When I was, when I was six, my mom was going to have them and she, she didn't she did but they didn't make it she almost died but she didn't but they did I understand I've it's childbirth is a beautiful and a tragic thing both in the same. I've delivered a few children in my own times and it's definitely it's a scary process but and not not everything we hope for sometimes goes with the way we want it but we I believe your doctors would have tried everything, and I, they, they did try everything. It's just sometimes things are just not meant to be, and which is unfortunate. She sniffles and she looks up, and you know, wipes the tears out of her eyes. And says, but "They're okay now." They are. Look. Look how happy they are with Theodore. My parents got him for me right after. He's protecting and loving them just as much as he protected and loved you when you were young. Yeah. Can we go? Yeah. Where are we going? I don't know. Okay. And I'm, uh, Ignacia's gonna look at Agnes and be like, where should we go? <laughs> so I think at this point, Agnes is looking for anything that looks like a door or that could feasibly act as a doorway. Just some kind of exit, anything, like even just trying to will something that looks vaguely like an exit into existence because it's just the next thing that appears here is just she doesn't want to be here long enough to encounter it. Okay. So as you're thinking about this, out of the mist, the mist sort of parts a little bit, and you see the front door to uh, to Beatrice's house appear. Does it look like her house normally does, or is there something wrong with it? Just the door. Just the door. 
I'm gonna look at everybody else to see like how they're how they're feeling if they're gathering close as well. I think Ignacia is standing right next to Beatrice and just like either has her arms wrapped around her shoulder or holding her hand, whatever feels more comfortable for Beatrice. I think James is probably further away from the babies since they noticed him and he doesn't want to, you know, change this current situation of babies crawling on giant teddy bear. Finn's keeping his back to everybody, but wait, waiting close enough to hear what the next thing is going to be. The doorway presents itself and I'm almost, I don't know. I don't know what's behind it. I don't know if we should trust it or whether we should look for something else or whether there's even any other options. If, if it's showing itself to us, then there has to be something here. We might not like it, but it's, show, it's presenting itself for a reason. I'll go first. Beatrice looks at it and says, I know what's behind there. They are. Who Who's are they? they? My parents. But not. What are you afraid that they're going to say or do? I'm scared they're going to make me stay here. For forever with them. And what do you think that they could say that would convince you to do that? I don't know. I'm their only child, so what do they have? What is my mom? Her whole life has been me. What does she have when I go it's what happens to almost everybody people grow up and they they leave home in a sense but you're not you're not disappearing off the face of the earth no that's true you have a wedding to get back to and a husband (laughs) <laughs> which Agnes says with only a little bit of exasperation um, and an entire future waiting for you but sometimes you do have to choose between reminiscing about the past staying stuck there or continuing to move forward she says okay But if they try to keep me here, will you stop them? Do you want me to stop them? I need to go. And like you said, it's not not like I'm falling off the face of the earth. Then I'll stop them. She hugs you. I hug her back and I'm pretty frightened of what exactly what form they're going to take what they're going to say like what they could possibly do to manipulate her and what she could do to us if they start to try to change her mind Mm -hmm. well there's only one way to find out (laughs) Beatrice do you want to open the door should I well 
It's my door, right? That it is. So she takes a deep breath and she looks back at Theodore and her brother and her sister who are now this massive young newborns has turned into just these two children who Theodore is holding and who are sleeping in uh, each of his big arms. She takes a deep breath and she walks authoritatively over towards the door. Opens it. And as she does, she looks in. You all can't see what's in there. She gasps and a chain flies out, wraps itself around her neck and yanks her into the door. Does the door shut behind her or does it stay open? It stays open. That I go in immediately. I'm running right after. James is on the way. Is everyone disappearing when they go through it? Um, you can't see you can't see through the door, but like you can't see far in, but they're you see them go in and pass the threshold. It's not like they vanish. Okay. And uh just your angle, you can't see into the room. So Finn, Finn looks back at the bear with the babies and looks back at the door. He has a thought, but lets it go, and then he and then he goes through. The Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Role to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time, if you dare.